When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Ducks fans. Welcome to another episode of The Quack Report. My name's Carter. We're here to talk some Ducks hockey. And by we, I mean my co-host, Nate, who is... uh, What are you drinking there, bud? Coffee? Tea? Coffee, yeah. Coffee? I guess you're not a tea person. I don't know why I assume tea. I do like tea, but this morning needed coffee. (laughs) That's fair. What's (laughs) what's on your mug? Let's uh, let's zoom you in. It says uh, either you like hockey or you are wrong. Nice. This was a Christmas gift from uh, my girlfriend's sister last Christmas. Not the one we just had. So this this has become my favorite mug. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, very like thematic for the podcast. The only thing that would make it better is a Quack Report mug, which I have one. Do you have one? I don't don't have one. I got the water bottle instead. Right, yeah. Because I... Yeah. um, But uh, I, I do have a Quack Report Yeti mug. I guess. Um, oh, that's true. Which yeah. those aren't available in the shop, unfortunately. Yeah, um, that was, that was, was a, a custom gift. Yeah, that was a custom made one for me. So I mean, I, I technically do have a Quack Report mug. I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So yeah, just a different style. So yeah, because let's be honest, I'm usually on the move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, if you uh, want a Quack Report mug, not not just you, Nate, because you know where to get it, but everybody else listening, tqrshop.myspreadshop.com or .ca if you are a Canadian listener is where you can get yourself one of those. So yeah, and uh, Nate is also currently drinking out of his uh, Quack Report water bottle if you are yep. if you prefer the water, which you know I, I guess technically you're supposed to. But <laughs> I mean, coffee is just bean water, so you're still getting water. Yeah, fair enough. Just very caffeinated bean water. Yeah. Yeah. So hot caffeinated bean water. Yeah. These uh like the insulated bottles, they're fantastic. I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um I think uh somebody that could have used some coffee uh was the Anaheim Ducks against the Blue Jackets on Thursday because oh boy was that a rough start for them. Yeah, that was a very <laughs> rough start. And unfortunately as well for uh Anthony Stellars. So I, I take yeah. it you wanna get into into the game. Oh I, I, see, it was just such a good segue that I couldn't pass <laughs> it up. But we're actually gonna go back and I'm gonna uh just say happy belated birthday to you, Nate. Okay, I mean yeah. I said I said a regular birthday, non belated one to you the other day when it was actually your birthday but yeah. um how was your birthday it was good yeah had uh well obviously you and uh some other friends over on the friday night we hung out um you iced me yes and then somebody <laughs> else iced me as well and not with just the uh normal bottles of uh smirnoff ice but the one liter ones so thank you very much for that experience <laughs> um <laughs> And we didn't even coordinate it either. I was like, oh, this is going to be funny. And then I did it. And then uh, our, our buddy was 
like had the same thought and like literally zero coordination. Well, we were uh, my girlfriend and I were kind of laughing about it this morning because she was talking about how like uh like the night of the party like she wanted me to uh get like the the picture like every year she takes like a picture of me with like my cake cupcakes whatever it is kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and she's like I wanted you to do that before you were like too far gone in the night kind of thing and I'm like I think you should have done that before you made me sit on the couch for a picture with the guys quote unquote <laughs> um that had the second icing that you did know about yeah <laughs> that she specifically set up because then it delayed it for like of. an hour or that just because like I don't do great with like the I mean I don't think anybody does but like just like a bunch of carbonation all at once like yeah. beer was never like beer's never been like my drink of choice like partying or that kind of thing right mm-hmm. so um but if i do have like you know like like pop for mix i guess right or mm-hmm. soda i guess for our california listeners um it's like it's it's normally like i'm like drinking kind of throughout right like like one drink for every like half hour at least kind of thing right depending yeah. so it's not chugging like a, a and, liter and of smirnoff yeah. in like two minutes or something like that so because i can't have having to take breaks can't chug that stuff but yeah it also didn't help or doesn't help that it's like more sugar than alcohol probably so yeah that too i was i was feeling that actually the next day more than anything i think <laughs> yeah that's that, that makes sense yeah yeah so but yeah no had the had the party and then uh uh at my actual like on my actual birthday um hung out with you and a couple other friends again just kind of throughout the day and mm-hmm. um yeah we're talking that night it was a it was a good day so yeah it's good and now yeah. you're just so old late yeah 20s exactly now. yep late 20s now so old. <laughs> yep. <laughs> my sister had left a comment on uh on my girlfriend's like birthday post for me of like uh, I think it was like, imagine being on the wrong side of 20 or something like that. <laughs> here, I'll, I'll double check what the actual comment was here. Where to go? I was like, I was chuckling at it too. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Where is, okay, here it is. Oh yeah. Imagine being closer to 30 than 20. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you, that's you where could, we're at. <laughs> it doesn't hurt as much, but you could, you could kind of clap back and say, imagine being closer to 20 than 15. But I don't know if that's really a burn or not. Yeah, I don't know either. Right? Because I think people like look forward to being twenty-one. Yeah. So. And then you have to take on responsibilities. (laughs) Yeah. And be an adult. Yeah. I mean, you're not allowed to go to McDonald's play place anymore, which is bullshit. They need adult hour at the at the McDonald's play place. (laughs) Let me get let me get my fat ass stuck in the slide. I don't care. (laughs) Okay, wait. Is there actually an age limit for the McDonald's play place? Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I I just, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like if you're a 25 year old, just like wandering in and hanging out in the play place with a bunch of kids and you're like slamming them into the ball pit and stuff like that. Like (laughs) that's probably an issue, but like, yeah. It just sounds like an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, exactly. I just wasn't sure if there was like a hard limit of like, you, you know, once you're 15 or like 16 or whatever, it's like if you even like touch the play place, like, you're getting thrown out. <laughs> but like, if, if you even now. look at it, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like some sort of soft limit. But like, I mean, if there's a kid in there and like he's having a rough time or like fell and hurt himself and like 
his 30-year-old dad had to go in and get him. Like, that shouldn't be an issue, but... So here, the, the closest one, there's a, there's a website, Calgary Playground Review. And uh, okay. there's the McDonald's uh, play place there. This is from 2018. Um, age range 3 to 12. And then it says adults are welcome as well. And then in brackets, at least in theory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's not like a hard limit. That's good to know. Yeah. Cool. You just pretend. I, I mean, I'm I'm tw- I'm 26 now, and I'm still pretending to be an adult. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's your that's your loophole in the yeah in the rules. <laughs> yeah, just be like, I don't identify as an adult, and then you can go. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I was gonna question that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, speaking of uh, coffee, from five minutes ago. The, uh, I know who did need coffee was the Anaheim Ducks <laughs> against the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> Again, it was just so good. I can't pass it up. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, let's get into uh, these couple Ducks games here. So a uh, 5-3 win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And if you turn this game off after the first period because you're like, well, shit. We're down 3 nothing to the only team that is worse than us in the entire league. I mean, that's fair, but you, you missed out on one hell of a comeback, I would say, with five unanswered goals in the second and third period. Yeah, it was a uh, pretty wild night, and you would think that, you know, with the, the start that the Blue Jackets had in the first period there, um, that they would be the more dominant team kind of even overall. But uh, yeah. no, it was the Ducks at 52.3% on the deserve to win meter on moneypuck.com. Uh, the expected goals, though, for either team was a difference of 0.07 in favor of Columbus. This was a very tight game overall. Oh, for sure. Um, and uh, it, it was goaltending that, uh, that, that did it, I think, for this game. Uh, Stellaris had a rough start, but... Um, I mean, when you have 15 shots against in the first 20 minutes, um, mm-hmm. you put up an 800 save percentage, your goal save above expected, negative 1.73. It's not Ooh. great. But 15 shots against, and a third of those were high dangers. Uh, yeah, that's not your fault at that and point. And you <laughs> saved all five of them. So, oh, yeah, damn. It's, it, it definitely wasn't entirely on Stellar's. He didn't help the fact, though, Um considering the goals against were medium and low danger ones, but uh, it, it was also the defense in front of him. And you can see it in the stats reflected like between Gibson and Stellars, uh, who Gibson put up uh, over two periods, 18 saves on 18 shots. Yeah, so like essentially the same, like just slightly more than Stellars did in yeah. twice the amount of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, a 1.7 goal save above expected, and he only had one danger shot against the entire two periods. Yeah, so like just miles different. Just, just the, like a totally the defense, different experience. Yeah, the defense just changed around mm. Gibson for whatever reason. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the pull was kind of a wake-up call because Dallas Eakins doesn't normally pull goalies in the first Period. Yeah, in like the, first the first period, period specifically. Yeah, I made yeah. a tweet like specifically about that. Of like, oh, he does do it because, yeah. Anytime we've seen John Gibson get pulled for uh, Stellars, it's always been after the second. 
Yeah, no matter how rough the first is, like where, yeah, like it, there's been examples this year where it's like, okay, Stellars should start the second because it's like that three nothing game, and then all of a sudden it's five nothing at the end of the second, and then, oh, and then you decide to pull Gibson for Stellars when it, it realistically should have happened after the first. So, I mean, in this game, it, it was definitely a statement for Eakins to pull him after the first because the team was probably shocked, like, wow, this never happens. Um, mm-hmm. we, we better pick up our socks because we know this isn't on Stellars. We know that it's on us as a team defensively. Um, and then that, in a way, kind of won us the game, just that move in particular. And it's not a credit to Dallas Eakins. It's a credit to the team recognizing that they didn't play well defensively and then decided to pick up their shit and play well defensively. So good on the mm-hmm. team. Yeah, exactly. Um, on top of the defensive aspect, though, which, yeah, was actually pretty good in this game. Um, after the fact, uh, the offense as well did spectacular. Mm-hmm. 10 out of the 18 players took advantage of it suddenly becoming point nights and getting at least a point in this game. Uh, and five of those guys had two points, which were Zegris, Henrique, Terry, uh, Isaac Lundestrom returning from uh, injured reserve mm-hmm. and uh, Cam Fowler. Lundestrom, Which, is pre- yeah, Lundestrom, want, so. Lundestrom in particular, uh, two assists on that night. He played 11 minutes and 55 seconds, uh, centering Henrique and Terry on that first line. And I know a lot of people, including myself, and I texted you about it right away when Lundestrom's coming back and we're throwing him on the first line, centering right away. All right, sure. That's one way to make sure that... He has no confidence ever. <laughs> that, and make sure that you're losing this game against Columbus, right? Yeah. We're thinking kind of the, the the tank thing, right? Like, not mm-hmm. intentionally throwing games, but maybe yeah. not giving yourself the best chance to win it. And to um, clarify, this isn't a shot at Lundestrom, but when you're coming back from being injured for six weeks... Yeah, that's just a wild position to be put into right considering the guy's been primarily playing on the third line yeah exactly but oh boy did he prove us wrong with how great and just calm he looked in that role and i I think it was a little too good actually because uh jumping ahead to the next game against uh buffalo uh primarily five on five he played with silverberg and vetrano in the next yeah. game. So <laughs> Make, makes sense. It was, it was yeah. a little too good. Mind you, Mason McTavish did return as well, but yeah. um but it is good that yeah. Lundestrom is able to jump up into a higher role kind of like kind of when we need him to. Um because I, I don't think his ceiling is much higher than a middle six forward. But if injuries happen yeah, and Lundestrom can jump up short term into that first line role, like say um, McTavish or Zegris ever like is out for say even just a week or two and Lundestrom is just kind of locking down that third line, then you can just move Lundestrom up and he's able to fill that gap. Like that's a huge, mm-hmm. huge asset for any guy in the NHL is being able to just come up short term and be effective in a a role that maybe they wouldn't be comfortable with long term, but short term they can do that so that's yeah that's very promising and you take a look at a few of the guys that we have and you don't think about it maybe at first because they haven't been playing in this respective position for much of the season but center depth is surprisingly there actually with this team like it kind of clicked in i was like henrique does play center Mm -hmm. zegris plays 
center, right? You got McTavish as well. Um, you got Strom. You got Lundestrom back, right? Yeah. Like that's five guys that are capable of playing center throughout your lineup, in, right? Uh, arguably in the top six. Yeah, exactly. Did I, did I say Mason McTavish as well? So that's six. No, you didn't. If, no. I, if I missed them, so yeah, six guys. Like, yeah, because you said Henrique, Zegras, Strom, Lundestrom. Yeah. Oh, maybe you did say McTavish. Hen- Henrique, Strom, Lundestrom, Zegras. McTavish. I think I did say McTavish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, five. Five guys though, but yeah. still, right? Like the fact that like three of those guys are actually playing center, and two of them are being put onto the wing that does help the team overall, right? Like it also shows the versatility, I think, of the sentiment that we have. Oh, for um, sure. Which is a good thing moving forward, barring mm-hmm. that we're able to keep, especially some of those younger guys there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, this was a this was a great night for the team offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously scoring five goals, you're going to go, yeah, well, yeah, no shit, it was a good night offensively. But just how the team, like where the team was able to get shots and that as well was fantastic. Um, pulling up uh, this shot map here from uh, natural stat trick you can see that like the duck shots they got a lot of attempts actually in the slots like just right on top of the crease yeah. which is perfect that's exactly mm-hmm. what you want to see and on the defensive side even it did get better that you know a, a whole lot of them like you can see that there is a higher concentration sure like in between the hash marks and on top of the crease but it's not like it's under four attempts in the entire yeah. game like just looking at the de- like the redness, I guess, of the color. Like it's really well, it's not really red. It's more orange. So it's like two, like, maybe yeah. three attempts. Like this is as usually... opposed to like four or five for the ducks, which is yeah. it's just like solid blue, right? Yeah, like this. This like the how the map looks right now. If you're looking at the video, but even if you're listening, how this looks right now is usually the flip, mm-hmm. right? For any other team that the ducks were playing against, so. Yeah, this was a good night uh, for the team overall. Um, yep. But uh, it's again, it's that uh, it, it's it's that duality of this season I found, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think I've definitely done it to myself, considering I was you know like the last few episodes all aboard the tank, anything for you know the the best chance at Connor Bedard, which I'm also kind of thinking, okay, maybe I actually do want second or third because I think in the last. I think it was like in the last 10 years, only like four teams who were actually last place got the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, just the duality of like, that was a fantastic comeback. But at the same time, do we actually know how not to, in, like how to intentionally not play great, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if I maybe should be saying great. It was better than usual. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And this is also against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have not been having a great season either. No. Um, but yeah, just that duality of like, this is fantastic, but we maybe should have lost this game <laughs> to yeah. help ourselves a little bit here for the future. But, yeah, it's it's kind of a catch-22, but like at yeah. the same time, I don't want to, and I don't think the guys in the room, I don't think any no, of the, the other guys fans, in the yeah. They, they don't want to be losing to one of the only teams that is lower in the standings than them. Like, yes, yeah. they know that they could have a chance at Connor Bedard if they just suck ass for the rest of the season, but... But they're, they, but they're they, athletes. They, they yeah. strive to win every single game, right? Yeah. You, yeah. As an athlete, you just... 
at the very, very least, you just don't want to be the worst. Everyone wants to be the best, obviously, mm -hmm. but you definitely don't want to be the worst because that sucks. Yeah, this is kind of one of those moments where I'm like, the like I've, I've talked a couple times about like the team just kind of defying Dallas Eakins at times, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And maybe like going even further than Dallas Eakins have like, you know, a Pat Verbeek or something like that, just with like roster construction and everything. Um, and just doing stuff like this. It's as as low as the season has been, it's been entertaining as well in that sense of just like oh, yeah. there are games that this team should have been completely blown out in mm -hmm. or were being blown out in, and they were just like, nah, not tonight, not tonight. Yeah, <laughs> they just come back and win. Which, speaking of like the comebacks for it, this is the first time the Ducks have had a three goal comeback win since December 2018. Oh, wow. There so hasn't been one the four entire time that we've been doing this show. Yeah. Like, literally four years and a month. Yeah. Damn. That's... That, that's a long time. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not, <laughs> not that three-goal comebacks are, like, super common, but, like, you know, maybe, maybe once a season. Mm -hmm. At worst, once every two. But, like, damn. Four years. Yeah, things are finally turning around. I mean... Starting to starting to turn around, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like so that that like last three goal comeback win predates Trevor Zegers being drafted. <laughs> if you want to put it in that kind of context, yeah. Wow, that's yeah, <laughs> that's something. Yep. Yeah, I mean, not really much else that I have to say about this one besides just like a kind of almost like a character win for this team, like. Yeah, being down early against the last place team in the entire league, and then coming back and saying, "No, this is not the kind of team we are." Like, we're going to come back and basically just shut you guys down and make you look like the worst team. Like, I really did enjoy that aspect of this game. It wasn't a yeah, perfect game, well. obviously, because ideally we just blow them out five nothing. But you know, baby steps. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to the Buffalo Sabres, I guess, the which was just the other night. 6-3 uh, loss to Buffalo. Um, and this is kind of the... Well, this whole season has kind of been Buffalo turning around, I guess, and saying, okay, we're no longer the worst team in the league. Um, so what we did to Columbus, in a way, Buffalo kind of did to us a couple nights later. Not, but not yeah, really. Where it's just like we're beating up on the worst teams, I guess, is, is kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. The Ducks were trying to pull back to back three goal deficit wins mm -hmm. because they were down three nothing at the end of the first period. Yeah. And came they back did. and tied it three three. Yeah. So the they did do a comeback. They, they did come back. They just forgot the most important part of not giving up another three goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly, in the third period. But, oh um, boy, if there was a fourth period, look out, because it would have been 6-6. Six, six. <laughs> yeah, which I am trying to see if somebody has it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, though, that uh, so the Buffalo Sabres were wearing their... Uh, new third jersey which is the throwback to the uh the black and red goat head jersey yeah. which by the way buffalo went very quickly from yeah your jerseys are meh bottom tier kind of like the rest of your team 
to one of the best two best three jerseys in the entire league very quickly that also went with the team dramatically improving very quickly as well um and uh so anyway this new black jersey if i'm not mistaken they've worn it four times now this season i think four Uh, or five i I I could be wrong on that um but i'm pretty sure this is or no i think they've worn it five times and this is the fourth time wearing it that they've scored six goals. <laughs> Just something about this jersey, man, for this team. Yeah. I don't know. That's nuts. I think it was Rasmus Dahlin was quoted at one point saying, like, it makes them feel like the bad guys and they kind of like it. And oh, I'm just really? like, I like that. Like, it's 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 the definition of look good, feel good, right? Yeah. And it is a great look, and it was worn perfectly as well, considering the Anaheim Ducks were in town, and uh, I think it was just the game before they had uh, Ryan Miller's jersey retirement in Buffalo, and Mm -hmm. Miller came out with uh, his son as well, I believe, uh, to do the ceremonial puck drop, and those original goat head jerseys were what Ryan Miller started his NHL career wearing. but then also to have Craig Anderson and John Gibson take the ceremonial puck drop, right, for a yeah. goalie doing it. That was super cool. Chef's kiss. Thank you. Props Thank to whoever you came so up with much. that idea. Whoever had that idea deserves a like $10,000 bonus because that was prime. <laughs> That's so good. So good. So good. Um, I, uh, I just looked up their schedule for those jerseys. So this is the seventh time that they've worn okay, here. those jerseys. Okay. I'll pull up the Buffalo Sabres, just their schedule. Yeah, sure. And we can figure out what, uh, how many times. Because I know it's at least like three or four now. Yeah. And they will be wearing it 12 times this season. So they have another five to go. Once in February, it's, three times March, and once in April. I, actually, I think that's the end of the season. That they yeah. Wear so if, if you've listened to the show or watched it, you, you know I'm a jersey nut, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo's the one team that I don't have a jersey for yet. And... Um, they're the only one I, I, you're missing. No, no, like one of the like one of the few left that I have. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I have to get. I think I have I have eight teams left, and they're mainly in the. I think six of them are in the East. Okay. Uh, Buffalo being one of them. And it's yeah, it went from like oh yeah, you know, get the the home jersey because that's it's what it is. Mm-hmm. To man, I actually have to choose between the new home and the new alternate because both are fantastic, and I yep. kind of want both. Yep, it might turn into both eventually. But well, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, I, I need your uh, I need your your full time job for that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay, uh, okay, I have the schedule up. So when's the first game that they wore them? So it was Hopefully against that was against St. Louis on November twenty third. November twenty third, uh, six two. So there's the first one. Okay, and then December fourth against San Jose. December fourth against San Jose, six three. So there's. There's two. Okay. Uh, December 13th against LA. Uh, six nothing. There's three. <laughs> uh, December 29th against Detroit. Uh, six three. So there's four. So four <laughs> straight games that they scored six goals wearing those black jerseys. Oh my God. Um, January 7th against Minnesota. Uh, six five in overtime. <laughs> so it's wow. five for five. Uh, January 9th against Philly. Uh, that was that was the backbreaker. Uh, four nothing Philly. 
Oh no! And then so uh, five for six. Yeah, and then against Anaheim the other night was so six, six for six for. Oh my god! All the sixes. It's all lining up. <laughs> yeah, six games of six, six goals. Wearing a, like just that particular jersey. Yeah, where's the third six going to come in? Because this is then then because you know goat is symbol of the devil and it's got red yeah. eyes and it looks very demonic and possessed. Okay, so what are the? It's going to be another one come in and then Satan rises up from center ice and <laughs> hands the Stanley Cup to the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, exactly. What? Uh, oh, New Jersey's not going to like that one. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what's the next game? Uh, it other is way, them. Uh, not until February 26th against the Washington Capitals. Okay, and the one after that? March 4th against the Lightning. Okay, just just read off the rest of them okay. for me. Uh, March 11th against the Rangers. Okay. <laughs> You're going to like this one. March 24th versus the Devils. All right. <laughs> and then April 13th against the Senators, which is also fan appreciation night. So they might score 16 that night for the fans. Everybody, I'm obviously gamble responsibly. Keep those dates in mind and go to DraftKings Sportsbook and bet the over on five and a half goals for the Buffalo Sabres that night. Yeah, absolutely. Because it looks like that's what they're going to do this season wearing yeah. those jerseys. That might be that might be the strangest possible safe bet that you could do. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, I kind of want to try it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Put your entire life savings down, and then you can buy as many of these jerseys as you want. <laughs> like, I'm just kind of curious. I'm going to, un- unfortunately, um, not able to use DraftKings here. Actually, you know, I can, I can still pull up the DraftKings odds, though. Yeah. Let's see. I just want to see like just what it would be for like betting on six plus goals, basically for just a game. Oh yeah, what the odds are. Yeah, um, it, it probably depends on the team, but if you can find a Buffalo one that's coming up, I'm, I'm just gonna take a look at the Jets versus Flyers today. That works. That would be similar. I would say. Let's see here. Team totals. Um, okay, so the team totals so for over five and a half goals, uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, it's plus 450. Okay, and for the Flyers, and for the Flyers, is plus 850. Okay, I would imagine Buffalo would be somewhere in like the plus five to like 550 to 650, just because they're kind of in between those two teams in terms of offensive firepower, and also it's the Jets against the Flyers, like that's a lot more of a um, skill gap, we'll say. Yeah, or here, actually, let's compare it against uh, the Panthers, because the Panthers are um, just two points up on the Sabres, but the Sabres okay. have three games in hand. Yeah, uh, there so you the go. Panthers are playing the Rangers tonight, so yeah, let's take a look here. Um, team totals. Yeah, so the Panthers' team total goals over 5.5 is plus 650. So if mm-hmm. you were to put down... Uh, just for everybody listening, if you're to put down ten dollars, that wins you sixty five dollars. Damn, that's pretty nice. That that might be a worthwhile bet actually for the Buffalo Sabers moving say so. forward wearing those jerseys. Yeah, I'd say so, that's and especially crazy. too because Washington is on a similar level to the Rangers, so it'd probably be very similar odds. Yeah, for that game 
compared to the one you had up, which was the Rangers and the Panthers. So do it up. Yeah. Book it. Mark it in your calendars, whatever you need to do for that. So um, just climbing back to this game specifically now and more so the Ducks, not the the Sabres because they can talk about that on the the Sabres show on THPN, which the name of that is slipping my mind. Straight up Um, Sabres. Thank you. Yeah. Which do you want to hear them, hear their side of that and they, I mean, they're probably also talking about, you know, six goals and six out of seven games wearing that jersey over on that show. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you can go check them out. Um, but yeah, Zegris uh, leads the offense in this one. He, you know, got two goals and three points, so a point on every single one of the Ducks goals. Um, he's the one who made it uh, 3-2, I guess, at one point in the second period there and kind of initiated the almost comeback, I guess. Um and yeah, it, he looked fantastic in that game. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he has a uh, five-game point streak now as well. And in ten games in 2023, the only game he hasn't scored a point in was against Edmonton. He scored a point in at least a point in every other game. Of course, that's so the game that we were doing the watch party for, hey. <laughs> yeah. So no more watch parties because watch parties mean no points for Zegras, and we can't have that. No, but maybe we can because that's how we get Bedard. Do we? Fair. Yeah. This is where me being superstitious with this kind of stuff is not good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, Zegris has just popped off. Um, yeah, leads the team now in goals and points. 17 goals and 40 points on the season. Damn. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's- that's really good. I love that. I and love what did that. you say he was projected for on the last episode? It's like 60 points? I think so, yeah. I don't know if I still have that sticky note anywhere. I don't think I do, but yeah, yeah so like about that, yeah. He's still got time for that and could surpass it depending on how the last 30-some games go still. Oh, yeah. 40 points in, what have we played, 46, 47 games? Yeah. Something like that. So, yeah, just under a point per game. So, yeah, real, like... Realistically, you could probably get like 70, honestly. Here. I, yeah. I could do the math really quickly. I just need to know how many games we've actually played or how many games he's played. Cause I, mm-hmm. Has he missed any? Seagrass? Um, I, actually, you no, know I have his stats up because I was going to talk about those stats here in just a second. So he's got 47 games. Yeah. So 40 and 47, which is uh, 0.85 multiplied by. I think Ducks have played 47, so we'll go 82. Um, <laughs> 69, nice. Nice. <laughs> well, 69.7. So yeah, 70 points. He's, he's basically on pace for 70 points this year. So, And he's kind of picked up the pace a little bit over the last few games, so mm. I wouldn't be surprised, surprised if he passed that and got 75 or even pushed 80, which would be phenomenal considering the team that he's playing on right now. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know that they need, you know, preparation and that kind of thing. I think the Ducks may have screwed up on their representative for the All-Star game this year. That's mm. no slight on Troy Terry. No. But Trevor Zegers, especially the way he's popped off as of late, like it was a matter of time, considering yeah. how his season was going for a little bit there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but... I mean... It, it'll I think- still be fun to watch Terry, but... Zegers getting slighted again for the All Star game, it it kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. 
honestly, though, I think that the All-Star game itself will be good for Troy Terry because he's struggled lately to score goals. Like, he's still, like, racked up some assists, but he hasn't scored a yeah. goal in he's been a, a while anyways. Um, and I know that the All-Star game is still a couple weeks away, so he still does have time to figure it out, but... Even if he does, you know, start to put it in, I think that the all-star game and just being around the best players in the NHL and, um, you know, just getting a chance to probably score a couple goals against the better goalies of the league, I think mm-hmm. will just give him some confidence going into the last little bit of the season. And obviously, the less goals that Troy Terry scores, kind of the better because we have better odds at Bedard. And then also he might sign for a little bit less. Mm-hmm. which is always nice, but long-term, I I think Troy Terry scoring goals is better for his confidence. So I, I would like to see him have some success, and I think the All-Star game will give him that. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, Troy Terry is uh, goalless in his last 17 oh. outings. His last goal Ooh. was December 15th against the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, I did not think it was that long. When I didn't said, think so either. When you said yeah. 17, I was like seven and I was like, oh yeah, that's not great for him. And then you said teen and I, yeah, I, I, I just feel so it's been, it's been over now. a month, which is not characteristic for Terry. No, so. not at all. But so I, I think he just needs a greasy one, honestly, and then he'll, he'll be good. So yeah. And even points wise, like it's been kind of every now and then like it took him three games after that Montreal one to get his next point um, and they scored two in the next one but then there was another two games and then back to back games with a point two games without yeah. and it's 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 at least narrowing how like how many games between before he gets his next point kind of thing but yeah um, yeah hopefully like Zegers um, you know He's able to figure out what it is and kind of set off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and both those guys carry it into next season as well. Where, oh, yeah. again, hopefully the team is improved uh, in roster construction in terms of just like the players themselves, right? And mm-hmm. uh, better chemistry overall and um, some other stuff that we're going to talk about a little bit later. So, yeah. Uh, another thing I want to just bring up about Zegris is his shot is just very much improved and like he is becoming mm-hmm. more of a. Um, I don't want to say like he is becoming more of a goal scorer, but I guess he's like developing into more of a uh, balanced offensive player, I guess, mm-hmm. in terms of like passing and shooting. So in college, he was primarily more of a passer, like um, approximately two thirds of his points each season were assists rather than goals. Um, in his first NHL season, 13 points, 3 goals, 10 assists. Uh, in the AHL, it seems, he kind of got his scoring touch where he had 10 goals, 11 assists for 21 points in 17 games. And then in his two like full NHL seasons, um, and I guess like his time in San Diego was before he was in the NHL in that 2021 season, but his goal scoring just didn't translate into the NHL right away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in his first full season, 21-22, uh, 30, or sorry, 23 of his 61 points, so just shy of half. Um, I don't know, that's still kind of that two-thirds 
five, I guess, 20, mm. 40, 60. So yeah, but now this season, 17 goals, 23 assists, and 40 points. So it's almost 50-50 now. And I'm like him. I'm and like I, him. I don't think that's just a statistical anomaly or like him um, just like not playing with guys as willing to or able to put the puck in the net. Um, I, I think it's him just like working on his shot and then taking those shots and getting himself into positions to score. Um, so, yeah, I, I would not be mad about, say, a couple of years down the line when he hits his prime. I, I could definitely see Zegris going 50 and 50 in a season. Oh, yeah. That'd be fantastic. I would love to see Oh, that. yeah. Please, yeah. please. <laughs> so, Zegris, please shoot more. I love it. Like it just makes him so much more of a threat, I think. It does. If he can if he can shoot the puck and pass, because with how fast this team is, and with the NHL being like a yeah more speedy over the last couple of years, and, yeah. Anaheim is still one of the faster teams. And if we can get a you know two or three two on ones in a game, or Zegers can be a part of two or three two on ones in every game, like the defense isn't going to know what to do. Like, is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? It doesn't really matter because either way, he's going to make a sweet play and it's probably going to result in a goal. So, Yeah, and that questioning as well, is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? Is going to be one that defenders are questioning every single time they see him come down, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, last thing I had about this game was uh, the, the fight in, I believe it was the second period. Um, two guys that you would not pick to be fighting, but uh, Strom and Peyton Krebs fought in this one right in front of the bench. And I tried All to right. find... Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't really sure why, but I went <laughs> back and, and saw the replay of it. And it was really just kind of like a bit of a bump from Krebs on Strom in the uh, Anaheim zone. Yeah, it was in the Anaheim zone. But like it wasn't even malicious. Like Strom had the puck and like just made the pass and Krebs was just kind of finishing his check, but like it was just kind of a little bump and then Strom gave him a tap on the shin pads. Krebs didn't like it and they threw <laughs> through hands. And Strom beat the piss out of him, which was great. But yeah, it was just it was wild. Like don't get me wrong, there I still believe that there is a place for fighting in hockey. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people who are get fighting out or that kind of thing. But one of my favorite things as well is that or is like is when you see guys, and I think we were talking about this the other night, when you see guys that aren't the guys to be fighting, they don't have the fighting skill, right? Mm -hmm. Because they aren't the ones called upon, go at it. Yeah. Because it is pure emotion mm -hmm. out of it, right? It's not it's not calculated. It's not I'm doing this for, you know, to 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 bump my team's morale intentionally. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just, I got an issue with you and I'm going to punch your face in for it. Yeah. Right. We're just going to settle this, the two of us. And they mm -hmm. just go at it. It's not the most beautiful thing in the world in terms of how it looks, but yeah. it's beautiful to me just in terms of the emotion. It shows that these guys care, that they're invested in the game, right? That mm -hmm. they're invested in who their opponent is. Yeah. Right. Which it's is fantastic. what I love about Strom taking it. this fight. Yeah. Exactly. So, in, and the one that I always go back to was a few years ago. Uh, Battle of Alberta, Sean Monahan, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Who that yeah. was both of those guys' first NHL fights, if I'm not mistaken, or one yeah. of them had one before that. Mm -hmm. But just two guys that they looked like deer on a frozen lake, just yeah. <laughs> legs fucking spread out everywhere, flailing around, mm -hmm. right? But just throwing at each other 
just because in that moment there is nothing else except that fuck face right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I love that from Strom. And God, I really hope that he stays around for the full five years and is a big part of this team. Yeah. Um it, like point wise, because it seems like he's a big part of the team in the locker room and to a bunch of the other guys. And I, I just love Ryan Strom. And I can't wait for my uh, Strom reverse retro to come in. It's uh, still not here. So, um, I'm just double checking uh, how many fights Brian Strom has. Actually, I'm gonna guess two. This one and maybe one other one. Um, like in his career, you're looking. Oh no, he's actually got he's got a few. They're oh, really spaced out for sure. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Six. Oh, that's a lot higher. Ten. It's got 10. 10. Yeah, all in the NHL? Yeah, all in the NHL here. Oh, damn. When was his first one? Uh, his first one was in 2017 in January where he took on... Uh, holy shit. Here's a name we haven't heard in a while. Oh, wait. No, sorry. Wrong one. Wrong one. Uh, huh. I, I, I saw Jay Jokinen and I was like, he fought fucking UC Jokinen? Huh. Or, oh, sorry. Yeah, UC Jokinen. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. No, sorry. I was thinking of... Uh, Oli Jokinen, never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, so, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. But, so his first yeah. fight was exactly five years ago, if it was January 2017. So he's averaged two fights a, a season. Yeah, because then he fought uh, Connor Carrick in Toronto. Um, Troy Stetcher in Vancouver. Travis Konechny mm-hmm. in Philly. Uh, Matt Niskanen in Washington. The guy fought Justin Williams when he was in oh, Carolina. Wow. In, in 2020. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, Lars Eller, Mason Marchmont. Um, mm. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that he had one this season, too. Remember, he fought Brady Kachuk? Because that's the oh, one yeah. where he saw Kachuk come over after he had. He, he made a bad hit, right? That he was yeah. getting a penalty for. And just saw that it, it was Kachuk. And you see it. He just goes, oh, man. Yeah. That, and oh, and how did, how did we forget about that? I can't believe we forgot about that. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's right. As soon as I read it, I was like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. I mean. 10 fights over the last like six five years, years. Like, yeah five years six years kind of thing at this point yeah. now um yeah and, and he's in the ohl one two three four five oh so he's a fighter oh wow i never really paid he's attention, i, I, I want to call him a fighter he's just not afraid to i guess yeah yeah it's sort of apparently I mean. the one yeah. year in the in 2010 2011 uh in the OHL he had four fights in the season. Oh man. <laughs> and he had one in each other year in the OHL. <laughs> 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 and he's never done more than two in a season in the NHL. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. He's got, he's got two fights a year in him and that's about it. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So or, we're, oh, we're sorry, done for those, this year, but Sorry, those were just the latest fights actually. He's had more than 10 in the NHL. Okay. Yeah, cuz he's been um, around longer than the than 2017 so yeah one two three four five six seven eight nine ten twelve okay so i was only missing two oh okay yeah and uh it's in particular he doesn't like the washington capitals or the florida panthers as he has fought those two teams twice yeah i mean he was (laughs) in new york for a while and where was he before edmonton uh he where was he 
Why can't I remember this offhand? Yeah, that's uh, something we should know, I'm sure. This is how you can tell I'm tired, because I'm just like not remembering this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh, he was he was on the island. Or, or, yeah, right. Yeah. I was thinking that he oh, was yeah. there. Uh, sorry, like the way you had phrased that. I was thinking like, where was he? What? Where was he before the island? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait, where the fuck was he? <laughs> he yeah. wasn't anywhere. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he played in the division with those teams, and like yeah. those teams were all good during that time. So he played in that division twice. He's only played in two divisions over four different teams. Yeah, that's it's kind of impressive, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um, okay, well. Let's uh, take a quick break here, and then on the other side, we've got uh, just a few segments here. We've got a couple good listener questions at the end, so make sure you uh, stick around for those. Um, but as we were talking about before, if uh, you want to place some bets on the over for the Buffalo Sabres while they're wearing that jersey, or anything else, hockey-related, football-related, since it's that time of year, promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook is where you can do that. And Nate has some juicy details on some bets that you can make now and some good deals. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get $200 in free bets instantly. Again, that's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. So, um, yeah, let's uh, jump over to a different team very, very briefly. And let's talk about the man. Actually, you know, it still relates to Anaheim because he used to coach here. But the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Bruce Boudreaux. And uh, his time officially being over in Vancouver. And I have a clip here that I would just like to share with y'all. If you get, bear with me, because I should have done this while we were doing the ad, because it's. <laughs> I just had like absolutely no forethought here. But if you're uh, watching, you can see it. But really, it's more of a listening clip here. And uh, hopefully, we don't get demonetized. So, um, Sportsnet, if you're, or Rogers, if you're listening, just. Leave I, for like thirty seconds and then come back. I, I guess it's. I guess actually for us, it's not even demonetization. It's just our video getting pulled and flagged. Yeah, I, I took a look. Like we're, like we're not in the space that we can even monetize, so we don't make money off it oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is getting pulled, so which is dumb, but it, it shouldn't even be happening, anyways. But totally besides the point. But here is uh, the last seconds, or actually the the game clock's at zero now of uh, Bruce Boudreaux's time in Vancouver. The hockey world. In a season that's been full of turmoil, it's hard to imagine we will forget the chance of Bruce there it is anytime soon. And there is a, an emotional Bruce Boudreaux behind the Canucks bench. Yeah, and he's taking it in right now. Thanking the fans. Very emotional heading down. The hockey world. 
Yeah, we're, it's <sighs> just especially weird when the game's over and your team lost and the coach is standing on the bench still. Like usually they're straight down the tunnel. They're like first guy off. Um, but yep. he uh, he stood there, took it all in, knew what was coming to him, just took it like a like a champ and. You know, the whole team recognized it as well. Like JT Miller, if you were watching, pops up. And um, looks like he's given some stip, stick taps, but just hanging out, you know, not heading to the dressing room until the coach does as well. The whole team on the ice as well was like, you know, taking their time, leaving the ice. And credit to the yeah. fans in Vancouver as well. Like they have every right to be pissed at the whole organization, but they still yeah. recognize Bruce Boudreaux. So um, this one, this first one, uh, Bruce. That a was big energy move. And Second one to the fans. A big oh. energy move. And you got one more. Oh, sorry. I thought you had three, so I was just letting you go for it. Actually. Oh no. no. Okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, to just the Canucks players as a whole, just so calmly, at least publicly, putting up with this. That's a big energy move. This is going to be, I mean, don't get me wrong. We cover one seemingly dumpster fire already. (laughs) But this is a dumpster fire that's almost intentionally orchestrated in a way, right? In the sake of it's a rebuild. Mm -hmm. What's been going on in Vancouver for the last few weeks, especially, has been... Embarrassing, I think, is is the the best way to put it. Embarrassing the, part five, <laughs> and it, it's not us this time. Because um, like I was even listening to part of the press conference uh, this morning as I was like getting ready for the show um, with the Vancouver Canucks introducing Rick Tockett uh, along with you know Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elveen, uh with him, not introducing them but like being part of the the press conference. Um, and just already, like, just, I, I understand that he has to make it, you know, look the best that he can, but this week in particular, I feel like has been a extremely rough PR week out of all of them. This has been a rough PR week with the Vancouver Canucks. Oh yeah. And just like kind of poking holes in things kind of here and there. Because on Monday, Monday they had the press conference after Quinn Hughes had, who is a normally a pretty quiet guy, mm-hmm. um, not in, 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 and not in the way I don't think of like you know the the quiet hockey player that doesn't have a whole lot of personality kind of thing, mm-hmm. just more in the sense like in this, just in the sense that he's just a quiet guy usually, mm-hmm. right? Unless he's on the ice, um, speaking out that you know Tanner Pearson. Uh, for for Vancouver was kind of screwed over a little bit by medical staff of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And that led to an investigation that um you know they they had the whole press conference on, they had the team doctor there along with uh I think it was like the physio uh consultant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somebody hired by the Vancouver Canucks and they've had overturn with their medical staff quite recently as well and mm-hmm. um but even then, just kind of like there's a few things that just kind of raise some eyebrows of, you know, like Jim Rutherford talking about, yeah, you know, I like right away, you know, those comments are concerning. So I went and talked to 
you know, the medical staff, do you feel that, you know, you gave kind of the proper attention? Is there anything that was missed or whatever? And they're like, no. And like just him saying that he talked to people and somebody asked um, if he had directly talked to any of the players. And he, mm-hmm. I think he said, like, I talked to one or two. But besides that, I talked with Patrick, like Alvin, the GM, who talks with these players on a daily basis. And I've talked with this other person who talks with the players on a daily basis, one of the medical staff, and they say everything's fine. I was like, if the players have a direct concern with it, maybe you should be asking the players about their direct concern here. Right? Like, this is a guy that's in the Hall of Fame. How how does that make sense? Right? Like, it's basically, like, it's saying, yeah, these, these, uh, you know, issues were brought up by somebody but we're going to talk to the people who the issue is about and they say everything's fine. Okay, cool. Good enough. Yeah. Like, how does that make sense? Right. I don't know. It doesn't, it just doesn't. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Like that's like, let's, let's, let's break it down even smaller. All right. You work retail at a store and uh, you have an issue with your manager. You know, you, you tried to talk to your manager about it. It doesn't work, so you go to like the regional manager at that point. Mm-hmm. The regional manager then goes to the manager. Oh, okay, is like, is there any issues here? No, there's no issues. Oh, okay, good enough for me. <laughs> like yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, it just even, doesn't make sense at all. Then even to the press conference today with uh, like introducing Rick Tockett, the first question, which also Vancouver media, I I love because at this point I just I I love them because they'll just straight up ask. There's oh, yeah. no beating around the bush, which is brilliant, but also shows you how just like tired of the kind of lollygagging, I guess. I, I don't even know what way to put it for this for this team. Yeah. Um it's been over like the last decade, basically. Um, as well as you know, the fans. The first question was basically like, why was this entire situation with Bruce Boudreaux handled so so poorly? Mm-hmm. And Jim Rutherford right away is trying to spin it of like, you know, it's the speculation and it was out of our control. And it's like, okay, but that doesn't get out there without a few different things, right? And Mm -hmm. for as long as it does either. Yeah. Right? Like, and I think one of the things that was out there, I'm not 100% sure if this is fact, but I, it's it's enough that I was like, I was seeing it quite a bit. So take it with a grain of salt. Was that for Rick Tockett, who was on the panel for TNT, had to put in four weeks notice for his resignation, right? That he was going to a different job just as Mm -hmm. a whole, right? And they were talking to the press conference today that they had had a conversation with Bruce four weeks ago, talking about the team, things that were going good, things that were not going so good, and they wanted to improve the not going so good, which that's normal, right? Yeah. And then they said about two weeks later, we had a meeting again and the things that hadn't or that they wanted to improve hadn't improved. And so then that's when they started looking. And it's like, okay, but if Tockett had to have a four week notice here, that means yeah. that this happened before Christmas. Yeah, the, the math just doesn't line up. It doesn't line up. And just the yeah. fact as well that I think somebody even asked, you know, like, why didn't you just have you got you got Mike Yo, who's not an NHL head coach as much as he's had the label before. He's not one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could have had him as an interim for the last week or something like that, right? Um, just to like r- relieve 
Bruce Boudreaux from having to go in front of media, having to go to games and deal with all of that. Right. Like this. Yeah. The, I feel like a, a reoccurring theme over this season of TQR is uh, emotionally broken. It's primarily been around the Anaheim Ducks. Primarily, yeah. But this is a man that was emotionally broken. And you could see it in his press conference, like his, you know, his media scrums over the last couple of days especially, right? Mm-hmm. This is a guy that loves the game, loved this team in particular, and didn't have a fair shot with this team, I don't think. So like no, Jim Rutherford no. was was it's on the record saying this isn't our guy before the season even started. But it's like, OK, but that guy also nearly got you into the playoffs where you were not when you got here, not even close to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And from an outsider's perspective, this season for the Vancouver Canucks is not on Bruce Boudreau. It's a few different things, but it's not on Bruce Boudreau, I don't think. Oh, absolutely not. Right? No. Like you've got you've got yeah. some issues in goaltending, whether it's injuries or play or that kind of thing. Um, you've got these high-level players, specifically thinking about like a JT Miller, who, mm-hmm. yeah, are doing great offensively, but are tragic. Like they're like JT Miller helps other teams score goals against the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's a it's a it's a personnel thing on the Vancouver Canucks, and they have some bad contract situations. I'm looking at like the uh, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson deal, mm-hmm. right? Which they're like they know about it, and that's another thing that Jim Rutherford's been honest about. Of like, we have some bad contracts that are going to be extremely hard, or we might not be able to move. And yep. until we can do that, it's going to be a tough road. And it's like, okay, but this is what you came in here to do. It's not the coach's fault that. And mind you, it's not maybe Rutherford or Alvines, but they've also been around enough, similar to a, to Pat Verbeek, right? Because I think they both they all came in at about the same time, actually, roughly, yeah, for their respective clubs. There's been enough time now that you've gotten your hands into this team and have had influence on it, mm-hmm. right? And it got worse. Yeah. So it's up to you to make it better. And. Bruce Boudreau, even with how this season went, still had a winning record behind the Vancouver Canucks bench. 50, 40, and 13. This is not a man that deserved to be fired. No, definitely this was not. not his not on fault. Him. I mean, and how many if, times if anything, it's really more of just like a like a mercy firing because like he did not like Bruce Boudreau's an icon behind the bench in yeah. the NHL. Like he did not deserve everything that got thrown at him. No. O- over the last few months, we'll say. Like he's yeah. It, honestly, I'm in a sense glad that he got let go because now he can either just retire happily or go to a team that is actually going to appreciate him. And yeah. Bruce Boudreau is going to come up again later because we got uh, some fan questions and I think uh Bruce will definitely fit into that, but we will save that discussion for a few minutes from now, just to you know keep you guys Jeez. on the line a little longer. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah um, this, that that man did not deserve this, though. No, and the Vancouver not. Canucks have handled this entire situation, plus the Tanner Pearson medical stuff. Like this situ, like this entire year so far has been poor management by Vancouver Canucks management and ownership. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. It has been rough. And that's Speak. we uh, yeah. we haven't even gotten into the stuff with the owners, which we're we're not going to. There's a no. lot to unpack there. But holy shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> Well, speaking of poor management, and not so much anymore, but you know, in the last like, two years ago, three years ago, um, the Arizona Coyotes are coming up. <laughs> Well, like I, I said, that. they figured it out now. They figured it out like now. It. They're all good. <laughs> that was good. I like that one. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm on a roll today, I feel. Um, Tuesday, the Anaheim Ducks are going to be in, well, where is a, where's the Arizona arena? It, it, it is actually in Arizona now, right? It's always been in Arizona. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because I guess that's the, that's the state. Yeah, that's right. That's not the name of the city. That was dumb of me. I'm Canadian. What, what else do you expect? Um, is, it, is the stadium in... All the Arizona hockey fans right now are like, yeah, shut up, Canadian. You don't yeah. know shit about down here. <laughs> the uh, Is it in Phoenix? No, it's in Tempe. It is in Tempe? Okay. Yeah, it is in Tempe. Okay. Um, anyways, that was, that was dumb. Anyways, Anaheim's going to be visiting the, uh, the, the infamous Mullet Arena now. On Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And a rare, uh, a rare weekday game for the Arizona Coyotes. Or no, sorry. No, the weekend games are rare. Yeah. For the Arizona Coyotes at home. Never mind. Yep. Yep. The the common weekday game. Yeah. I suppose. Is this one. Um Nate, how are the Arizona Coyotes doing as of late? Uh they're not doing too hot. They are uh one okay. nine and O. In their Ooh. last ten games, they're in a, currently on a two-game losing streak, which uh, they have, which have been back-to-back four-nothing losses. Let that be yeah. noted. And then they're playing Vegas. <laughs> but tonight. This, is a, this is a team that has primarily had to have been on the road as well, so that yeah. does get tiring. Oh, their road, sure. their road record. Uh, they've they've played twenty-nine games on the road this season already. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh boy, there's so many six, home games coming up. That's yeah, nuts. six, twenty, and three is their road record. But something about Mullet Arena just gets them going. Eight, seven, and two at home. So they do have a winning point percentage record at least yeah. at home. And I mean, they've beat some decent teams at home, like Colorado six three, Toronto six three, the mm-hmm. Islanders five four, uh, Boston four three. Like, they've also had some rough losses, like a 7-2 loss to Dallas back in yeah. November. Um, recently, 4 nothing loss to Washington. So, like, they are kind of up and down. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of things to be, I guess, afraid of going into Mullet Arena. Jacob Chikrin, just how loud the barn is itself. Dylan Gunther, I believe, is back. I, I thought you were going to say the mullets. <laughs> mullets are great. There's no reason to be afraid of mullets. <laughs> Remember the mullet that I had in high school for? A, that was wonderful. Yeah, I had it for a few months. The, the entire lacrosse team did mullets the one yeah. year. So, oh man, what a time! What a time. Um, Karel Vamelka as well in net. So they've got some good players in Arizona, and things are definitely starting to look up for them. But they're by no means a powerhouse. Team, no. they're not even in playoff contention. I, I would be very surprised if they made it this year. But um, it, it's not going to be an easy game, that's for sure. Like, it's not going to be. Um, I was going to say like Columbus, but I mean we got a, we we got a little bit of a scare from Columbus as well. So 
Yeah. No, this, this is, is another this is another team that's very on par, I think, with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, mm-hmm. They've played one less game and uh, have two points up on the Ducks right now with 33 points. Okay. Um, this this might be another game similar to Columbus, mm-hmm. which was a very one-sided and then one-sided game. Yeah. But like from face-off, I mean, could be a fairly even game, I think. Oh, for sure. Um, and recently as well, these teams have not really liked each other. That's right. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of gets me excited for it. Um, we'll these teams haven't played fight. each other. Yeah. These teams haven't seen each other, uh, or yeah, haven't seen each other yet this season. This is the first game of the year, but uh, we'll also mm. see them later this week, and mm-hmm. then uh, again at the end of the regular season. Okay. Um. So yeah, the last meeting was the whole Troy Terry and uh, No Name incident. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally forget his name. Like that's how irrelevant <laughs> he is. I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny. I don't remember his name. I I'm I'm just gonna leave it at no name actually because that's okay. that's fantastic and I'm sure that's gonna get uh, Corey and Richie riled up a little bit with us too. Oh for sure. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, and like when I, when I say on par as well, like even just over the last five games, their point producers, um, Zegris uh, has three goals in the last five games, leading in that category. Clayton Keller with one. Um, that's a team very much again like scoring. By committee kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Troy Terry and Jacob Chikrin tied in assists over the last five games. Uh, I think you say in the season, and I was like, that's embarrassing considering Chikrin's <laughs> only played like three, four weeks. So. Um, no, Z- uh, Zegris, five points. Uh, Lawson Krauss with four. Um, and then even just like the kind of the overall the season. Um, Clayton Keller with 38 points. Trevor Zegris with 40 now. Mm-hmm. Uh Zegris 17 goals, Lawson Kraus with 16. Um, oh. even down to like the average time on ice guys. Uh between Jacob Chikrin and Cam Fowler. Um, it's about like it's just slightly over a minute separating these two defensemen as well. Oh wow. What about goaltending? Uh goaltending, it has Lucas Dostal listed here, but if we go oh. deeper, uh Gibson with an 895. Save percentage, uh, Stellars with an 890, then Vimelka with a 902, and Connor Ingram with a 893. Okay. So, it's, so it's, the, it is all pretty close, it's actually, It's pretty close. Overall. Like, slight advantage to Arizona with Vimelka, I guess, but, like, be, besides that, like, they're, they're yeah. pretty on par. Yeah. Yeah, and so. Vimelka's gotten hit pretty good with the reality of the Arizona Coyotes Yeah, lately, oh, yeah. so. Makes sense. Um, okay, well, let's bring up our score prediction sheet here, which over the last couple games, neither one of us got uh, both the score and the team right. But, Nate, you did I got the, the score, I got the score right for Columbus, yeah. the wrong way, yeah. Uh, and then, but I got the team, and then both of us got Buffalo, but not the score. So, yeah. Yeah, but against Arizona, do you have a score prediction here? I'm going to call it 3 2 win for the Ducks. 3 2, okay. Two for the Ducks. I am also going to make this a close one. I was going to go 4-3. Uh, and this is not going to be a slight against the Ducks, but this is specifically for the fact that the game is taking place in Mullet Arena. Mm, I, fair I, enough. I, I've got to give the advantage to Arizona. But next week here, 
I, I think I'll probably change my tune unless this game is just a total blowout by Arizona, but I don't think it will be. So mm-hmm. knock, knock on wood. Knock on wood. So yeah, a couple close ones. Could go either way. Um, I also wouldn't be mad about overtime just for the single point. But you know what? Actually, can I make mine Arizona? I guess I'm gonna say I'm gonna save my Anaheim win for later this week. Yeah, yeah. When it's when in Anaheim. Yeah, and not Mulder just, just seeing the records of so. both these teams. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's where we're Arizona. at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the only game between now and Wednesday evening when we will record and do our live stream 7 p.m. Pacific time at Quack Report Pod on both Twitch and YouTube, and you can interact with us in the comments on both of those, uh, just like. Rory did on YouTube the other night. Unfortunately, he just got his comment in like as we were wrapping up and we were like, we got to, We want to talk about this, but we got to save it for next yeah. time because we're already running long. Um, so yeah, he left a comment actually on our YouTube video. Like he went, he went back and watched uh, one of our episodes. And then in the live chat, he had a couple that related to his comment. So we've got a little bit of a story here coming up for what's quacking. And I'm, I'm just changing the order of the questions yeah. we got here because we got we got to tease everybody for the little cliffhanger we left about yeah. 10 minutes ago so exactly um yeah so let's do it so rory on youtube this was about a week ago now at this point i believe that he left this comment yeah i think it was on um, the last like sunday episode yeah yeah so or keep Monday, in mind this was yeah. before everything went down with the flyers and then he comes back later so Rory says, I frequently listen to another podcast about the Flyers being a transplant Flyers fan, Snow the Goalie. And Anthony Sanfilippo reported about the Kings inquiring about Ivan Provorov, who just turned 26. But the Kings were reportedly turned off by the asking price of either two options. One, a top six forward, or two, a prospect that will have the ability to be a top six forward. With a $6.7 million cap hit, the next two years, would it be a good move for the Ducks to acquire him? Chuck Fletcher not being the best at holding on to draft capital, Fletcher being the GM of the Flyers. Uh, the Ducks could acquire more draft picks, maybe Florida pick this draft. Granted, Flyers won't be a contending team in the next two years, uh, in exchange for taking all of his cap hit, which the Ducks could obviously afford. Um, not sure who they could send the other way to make it work, maybe Comtois. I know Kevin Hayes would bring in a big haul in draft picks in order to relieve the Flyers of his cap hit, but it wouldn't make sense given his age and having more important players to sign. And then he goes on to say, great listening to you two, wishing the Flyers would follow the road of the Ducks and getting a GM who would cut ties with, quote, fan favorites and commit to a full rebuild. But guess I'll have to suffer watching bottom six NHLers (laughs) and career AHLers overachieve, courtesy of Torts. Well, (laughs) thank you for the uh, comment, Rory. Some great info in there. And uh, yeah, we we appreciate you uh, listening to us, even being um, also a Flyers fan. So, So that's what he said about a week ago. And then in the live chat on Wednesday night, he said, in the last upload, I had commented about trading for Provorov. This was after the, the Flyers game and all that stuff that went down um, that we'll get into in a bit. Flyers want a top six forward currently or a prospect that can be top six. Kings apparently walked away. With last night, the Ivan Provorov situation, has Klingberg's trade value risen, mainly because teams usually stray away from obtaining players who have spotlights on them for whatever reason. So we went from, is Klingberg, a f- or sorry, is Provorov a fit, which a week ago, yes, he might have been, uh, to has Klingberg's value risen? Because these are kind of the top two um, 
defensemen, I guess, going into the trade deadline that are on the market and could help a contender? Um, <clears throat> and thank you, Rory, for the questions and the comments. Yeah. We love it. Sorry, say that last part again. I was trying to pull up this article that I was thinking about. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, say that last part again. Yeah, all good. So, um, so yeah, he says, um, mainly because teams usually stray from obtaining, stray away from obtaining players who have spotlights on them for whatever reason. Uh, with last night, has Klingberg's trade value risen? I don't know if Klingberg's directly has risen because of what happened with Ivan Provorov. And um, just to refresh or kind of fill in people who maybe didn't know what was going on or, or that. Casual fans and don't have clue yeah. it happens. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers in the game, uh, or just before the game, I guess, against the Anaheim Ducks, um, that game was their pride night. Um the team, the Flyers, uh, came out wearing uh, black warm-up jerseys that had uh, the numbers and name bars um, in rainbow colors and the pride colors. And uh, Ivan Provorov had chosen not to participate in warm-ups, um, citing his uh, religion of uh, Eastern Russian Orthodox mm-hmm. uh, being the the reason of not participating with the jerseys in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> without, yeah, without, without getting into that part yet. Um, yeah. I don't think that Klingberg's has risen, has risen specifically because of Provorov. Um, I think a lot of teams are just, you know, they're, they're looking at what Klingberg is, what he has done, what he could do if he were to come into their organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't think Klingberg's has risen particularly because of that. Uh, however, if I'm not mistaken, John Klingberg has done better he, he, or like, yeah, he has done better over points in the last five games, at least a little bit, um, little bit. which that is, that, that is good to see, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of what we were talking about. Like we know that we're, we, we know that the, the point of getting John Klingberg was one to give him a place to play, but two, um, to, you know, hope that we can get like a, a, a good return for him. This isn't a guy that was maybe originally supposed to be a mainstay over the next few years mm-hmm. uh, for the Anaheim Ducks on their blue line. This is a guy that was supposed to come in to help give us some stuff uh, at the trade deadline that would help increase uh, the team's potential in a few different areas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or that's draft picks, or that's other prospects that can come in uh, soon, right? Because this is a young team. This is a team that's building for the future, mm-hmm. um, and you know, teams that are contending right now, they aren't as worried about the future. They're in the now, right? Yeah, which is which is the type of team that would want a John Klingberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, I do sort uh, of agree with um, with Rory here, though. That mm-hmm. well, I, I agree with him, and I agree with you in certain respects. That I don't think the whole Provorov situation has risen Klingberg's trade value, but I think the the way I would word it is the competition for John Klingberg has risen, and or the demand mm, for John yep. Klingberg has risen, which thus will then drive the price up. And it's not going to go from, say, the fourth or fifth round pick that we've kind of referenced as a arbitrary pick that we've just kind of slapped onto him. Um, but 
I think instead of teams maybe being split between, oh, let's trade for Klingberg to help us and let's trade for Provorov to help us, now most, if not all, of the teams are going to be focused on Klingberg at the trade deadline and the competition will be, okay, everybody's offered a fourth-round pick. The team that offers a third-round pick is now going to be the team to get Klingberg, most likely. So Yeah, the, the thing with between these two in particular, you have to look at their contracts as well, right? Yeah. A lot of teams, yes, are cash-strapped, for sure, um, which that is going to be a tough thing for the NHL trade deadline as a whole, right? Yeah. Teams are going to have to get really creative to make sure that for the rest of the season, at least, they're still under the cap. We all know that when the playoffs happen, it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. The cap is no longer a thing. But you still have to play out the last 20-some games of the regular season, right? Yeah. And you can't just, like, trade away or trade for Nathan McKinnon, not have space on your roster for him, and then sit him for the next 25 games, and then just bring him back randomly in the playoffs. Like, it it just can't happen. And I just... McKinnon's not going to be traded for it. I just picked the name out of thin Um, air, but... But you also have to look at next season as well because the the uh, the salary cap is only getting bumped up by a million dollars, right? Yeah. So for John Klingberg in particular, his contract is this year and done, mm-hmm. right? So then it's somebody else's problem or it's your problem, but you try to maybe reduce it, right, per mm-hmm. year depending on the length, right? Like kind of what we were talking about on the last episode. Yeah. Um, the thing for Ivan Provrov is he's making 250000 less than John Klingberg. So he's making $6.75 million. Mm-hmm. Um, But that's this year and two more years following. Which, yes, the last year of that will maybe be a bit easier as the, ca- as the cap is expected to go up, I think, like 3 or $4 million over so the, kind of the one season or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the, for the rest of this year and next season, it's going to be difficult. I think. Yep. So that's where Klingberg has the upper hand overall, I think, in being traded. His current contract. Uh, yeah, it, his current every, contract. It, the off-ice stuff removed, like just purely yeah. Um, contract. Yeah, and, pu- yeah pur- and purely and based on numbers and, and what he's able to, yeah, to, to do and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, in a sense, Rory, yes. I think the whole situation is beneficial specifically to John Klingberg. Yeah. And again, a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And thank God that um, you didn't post that comment. And then Pat Verbeek was like, oh, that's a good idea. And then did the trade. And then (laughs) everything happened. Because, yeah. uh, And I mean, I guess it wouldn't because he wouldn't have been in Philadelphia for Pride Night. But, you know, it would have come out eventually, I'm sure. And, uh, it, thank God he's not an Anaheim Duck. Yeah, so... I mean, I guess we can touch on the the other stuff. So what, what came out after the fact is that the team as a whole, or I guess maybe not as a whole, because uh, Provorov, um, normally in the past... Most, of, most the, of the team. Yeah, so normally in the past, the Flyers have done uh, just the pride tape. Right, just like the rainbow mm-hmm. tape on their sticks, and um, yeah, not everybody used it, right? Mm-hmm. But it was the tape. This is the first time that the Flyers had worn jerseys, and it sounded like that it was player led to do the jerseys. Okay, and there's a few players in particular, um, James Van Riemsdyk, and uh, oh, why am I forgetting? 
um, the other player right now. I'm trying to see if it's in uh, Scott Lawton. That's the other guy. Okay. They also met, um, like they they met with the members uh, with members of the uh, LGBT uh, Q plus community uh, that night. Right, like the whole thing about Pride Night is supposed to be that just you are welcome here, mm-hmm. right? Like this is a this this is a safe place for you, right? Mm-hmm. Because as much as some people. Uh, deny i guess it, it's a battle for that community every single day mm-hmm. right like yeah no matter how much we, has changed over the last yeah 10 20 30 years like yeah which there, which there has been a lot of progress for yeah. it right but it's still a battle every single day and mm-hmm. while not personally carter and i knowing this struggle right uh yeah. being Straight, straight white males, yeah. <laughs> but we do have friends who are gay, who are bisexual, who are trans, who are mm. gender fluid, right? And like we've, you know, seen some of the struggles that they've had to go through on different things, right? Like this, it's it's a daily thing for these people, and to have it, it's it's it is really unfortunate that like for the flyers. In particular, this should have been a game that, yes, they're playing the Anaheim Ducks, but what a win for them. What a statement win in, you know, the the, the last 10 games that you've been playing. Fantastic, right? This was a great win. Kevin Hayes gets a hat trick, right? And this was supposed mm-hmm. to be, like, outside the ring. This was a celebration just of people as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. And what it turned into was one guy and his religious beliefs which i I don't want to dive too hard into for myself just just know that i'm not really a religious person Mm -hmm. overall okay but just that became the story which is really unfortunate and it it overshadowed everything else that was going on the hockey the fact that it was pride night in general like just that story specifically just overshadowed yeah everything like you said and it just it it also brought out it, it brought out the some I think some of the best in some people, right? In in uh you know, those who are part of the community in defending themselves, in allies defending those who, you know, is are are being affected by it mm-hmm. and everything like that. But it unfortunately also brought out, I think the worst in some people, which is really unfortunate to see. And I got in, I, I know it's, it, it's social media, it's Twitter, whatever. And like, I, I got into debates with some of these people about it. Right. And it's mm-hmm. and honest. And, and I'm not going to lie. It's probably a lot of people who are not actually overly hockey fans. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, is there an issue in hockey still as a whole? Yes, there's there's a lot of issues in the culture of hockey. Mm-hmm. We know that, right? And over the last few years, a lot of people have been trying to stamp out these issues, right? So it's... I, I, I have my own things, like I said, with... I, I don't believe that if your religion thinks that certain people are below others... 
that, that's not a that's not a great message. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it's race. Doesn't matter if it's sexual orientation, or that. Right. Like it's just if if you are born this way, you are better than others. Right. Like that's it, it's your religion is a choice. Let's put it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Who people are is not a choice. And that was a big thing that stuck out with me in terms of Ivan Provorov's comments uh, post-game that night, where he also only, you know, he he made his one statement and just said, I'm not asking, I'm not asking, I'm not, I'm not taking any more questions about it. And somebody did try to do a follow-up and he got very pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. If you are, if if you're that impassioned about it that you won't participate in a what, what, what was a community fundraiser actually? Yeah. Because the jerseys and the sticks that were used in the warmups went to auction as well. Mm-hmm. That went towards um, charities that work with the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. right? If, if you're that impa- like impassioned that you're not going to participate in a team charity event, essentially. I feel like you should be able to back it up and maybe ask be be asked a couple more questions. Yeah, at least be open to like a little bit of a discussion and yeah, a little bit more of a discussion than this is my statement and we're leaving at that. Like I get that he's a hockey player and that you know generally he's really only obligated to talk about hockey and the media members generally are only ob- obligated to ask hockey related questions. But when it's something that is this. Um, controversial i suppose mm-hmm. it you should be expected to at least answer a couple more questions about it and like it doesn't matter if like who's right and who's wrong in mm-hmm. that scenario and whose opinion is better than others or whatever cuz that's the whole point of opinions but it's um childish isn't the right word but it's I can't think of a better one at this point, but it's childish to just say, um, or immature, we'll say. It's immature to just say, this is my opinion, no further questions. Yeah. So. And it and it looks bad as well when that night you had uh, Scott Lawton and James Van Reems, like, you know, have, uh, I think, yeah, it was uh, a group of about 50 plus from this community who were invited to like skate on the ice with the team beforehand right mm-hmm. or, or members of the team and um you know we're in the stands and that kind of thing right like it, it pulled away from what the the specialty aspects of the night were supposed to be about yeah and pulled away from the game after the fact as well mm-hmm. right um yeah. but in terms of his direct comments and what he had said initially um, and, uh, there's, there's a great article here actually from, uh, Charlie O'Connor, uh, at the athletic, which, uh, Carter, I'll, I'll send you the link to put into, uh, the show notes as well. If anybody else would like to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, his quote said, uh, I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my, uh, religion, which he was asked follow up, uh, Russian Orthodox. Um, and that is all I'm going to say. But O'Connor makes a good point here. 
where he says Pride Night was supposed to be no different, but Provorov didn't take part. If you're uh, if you parse his post game comment, it's not difficult to zero in on the word that likely explains why. I respect everybody's choices. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to reiterate this one more time for anybody who doesn't get it for some reason. It this isn't a choice for people, right? Just as as Carter, like as I was saying, like Carter and I are straight males, right? Mm-hmm. That's just who we are, right? We yeah. have friends who are gay. That's who they are. We have friends that are bisexual. That's who they are, mm-hmm. right? Like it's 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 not it, something it's, you can just switch. It's, it's not yeah. a choice. It's not a choice for these people. So why are you being assholes to them for something that they literally cannot change? So like let's if if you're if you're listening to this, just know that you have a place, at least with within within our little community here of TQR. All right. We 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 care about you and just just who you are as a as a person. Right? Mm. Just just don't don't be my, my my girlfriend was watching One Tree Hill earlier today, and there's there's just this one line stuck out. It was supposed to be more in joke of like a couple of the guys joking around with each other. Mm. But the one guy had a good line here. Like hate is a choice. You have the choice of being hateful. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can choose to be better in that respect. Yeah. Which is a super hippie thing to say, but it, it is right. It <laughs> is. There's I'll, I'll go get my, it, so. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go get my, uh, my, the uh, fuck. What is it? Um, I forget. Anyway, <laughs> crystals yeah sure maybe sure. <laughs> not, again not bashing people who are and my garbage crystals, bag full but, of pot <laughs> yeah <laughs> but just yeah but let's try to be better people yeah all right well said so, so um everyone prepare your necks because this is going to be a hard left turn so to prevent any whiplash we're going to go to another <laughs> listener question uh from ib505a on twitter and uh, they ask, does Dallas Eakins go after this season? I'll just answer it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but who are some other uh, available coaches to replace him? Thank you very much. So, yeah, thank you for the question. And I think uh, it, everybody probably knows where we're going with this. But with everything going on in Vancouver recently, Bruce Boudreaux being fired, does it not kind of make sense to give him a trial run, at least give him an interview to hopefully bring him back for next season and see if he can finish what he started in Anaheim. And I think this was, if if I'm not mistaken, we talked about this even last year at like a few different options, right? Because Dallas mm-hmm. Eakins contract was originally up last year and they and Bruce uh, Boudreaux took, was took too. the option of the extra year. Um, and Bruce Boudreaux is a guy that we brought up and we were like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to see him come back actually, because he did well with the team and it's, it felt like the type of guy that this team could benefit from, right? And the players mm-hmm. in the locker Just room. Let them let him play, and if something yep. needs to be changed, then you change it. And this season, I don't think is any different. And so it, nope. it's. Uh, I, I've been saying like this season has been uh, a good chunk of, you know, seeing a lot of stuff, and I I feel like I know what I'm talking about. And then there's some other things that are just like, I don't know if I know a single thing about this game anymore to be, or just like at all, to be honest. Um, But this is one of the things where I felt like I was like, okay, I do know something because 
there were quite a few people in Ducksland, at least, saying Bruce Boudreaux would be great for this team, excluding the stuff that's been going on with Vancouver. Just Bruce Boudreaux would be great for this roster as constructed, right? And moving yeah. forward with hopefully the improvement of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I still 100% agree with that. Bruce Boudreau would be fantastic. And again, to reiterate for Vancouver, he still had, he, he finished with a winning record mm-hmm. in Vancouver, right? He has had a winning record every place that he's gone to. The longest that he's been, or tied for the longest, I guess, was Anaheim. Yeah. Where he was the head coach from uh, part of the 2011 2012 season to, uh, the end of the 2016 uh, season where he had a record of 208, 104, and 40. Which is phenomenal. This is phenomenal a guy record. that loved SoCal. Mm-hmm. And I think would be a great fit with, like, I'm just thinking of like the potential, like we, we've kind of talked about like the potential of some of our, our young guys, especially, right? And if mm-hmm. they were kind of, if they were given some better guidance, I guess, in a way, overall, from the coaching staff, where could they be right now even, mm-hmm. right? Like a guy like Mason McTavish. Like, are oh, we talking sure. about him instead as the leading rookie goal scorer right now or rookie point mm-hmm. scorer, right? Are we talking about Trevor Zegras at 50 points this season instead of 40 today, Yeah. right? Are we saying uh, that both of these guys, because the uh, the fan votes were released this week as well, um, no further Anaheim Ducks, but are we saying that both Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry were voted for the All-Star game? Both guys mm-hmm. are going and both very well deserve it, yeah. right? Which I, I still think they do, but... Mm-hmm. like And there, potentially there, John Gibson as well. Yeah, like is there more of an under. argument for them going even? Yeah. Right? Just if... Mm-hmm. And I think Bruce Boudreaux is the guy that could do that i think so overall i I think that would be super beneficial for the offense of the team and especially the young guys the only issue i would have is that um and and especially it's it's especially obvious with jt miller is that yes he's able to flourish offensively but it's at a detriment to his game defensively and that is currently an issue with the anaheim ducks is as a team our defense is atrocious. And if Bruce Boudreaux is not able to fix that, even with just one guy in JT Miller, and it's a team issue there as well, yeah. um, he's not, we can't expect him to be able to do that in Anaheim as well. So I'm not saying don't hire him just specifically because of that, but we then need to have a plan for an assistant coach that can help out with the defensive aspect of the team. So Bruce can kind of coordinate the team as a whole and the offense and then an assistant who is more defensively minded can hop in and say, okay, yes, this is good, but um, this is what I saw defensively. So let's, you know, clean up these plays and then let's focus on the offense or take a couple guys, <coughs> Kevin Chanker, which hopefully he's not around <laughs> next season. But um, if he is, then take him aside and say, okay, these are some things I noticed that are consistently happening over the last few games. Let's clean this up or um or just take the defense or the bottom six as a whole and say okay we're bleeding some chances in this specific area let's work on that so yes to bruce boudreaux but there also needs to be a an addition i guess to balance out the lack of defense i guess Mm -hmm. if we do go with bruce boudreaux um 
otherwise we need to get a coach that is that more balanced mindset of um, letting the offense play, but then can still coordinate a defensive structure. Yeah. And the defense could honestly dramatically improve in the off season, depending on how far Pat Verbeek wants to go. Right. Yeah. Because yes, hey, you Drysdale have coming back too. And then who else we acquire? Yeah. Yeah. And you got the prospects in uh, Zellweger and Michikov, especially right. Mm-hmm. Who no, maybe aren't, well, maybe Zellweger, uh, in the lineup next year, right? But they're not going to be um, established NHL defensemen type guys, right? Yeah. But there are guys that you could try to get maybe in the offseason that would just help around that, right? Mm-hmm. That could just kind of stabilize a little bit until some of those kids are ready to take over, right? And you just kind of build that defensive core a little bit more. Like, it, it it's 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 the, it's the benefit of the ducks having as much money as they do right now to spend especially in the off season right mm-hmm. they can kind of dictate how they want next season to go yeah right and how much money they're willing to shell out for it mm-hmm. so it's yeah. uh and again like it's not we're not talking about Bruce Boudreau taking over right the team as it's constructed right now right no it's going to be entirely it, it's different taking thing. it's taking over a team that is we're assuming better overall ideally ideally it's not worse so it's it's got potential there i think oh for sure so and i would love it as well even if it's not anaheim whatever team does decide to go with bruce boudreau in the next year maybe two depending right Mm -hmm. whatever team decides to take a crack at bruce boudreau again please whatever fans of that team or whatever the fans of that team are, Bruce, there it is, Chance. Continue that shit. Get it. Get it. I know Vancouver started it. Vancouver fans are going to be salty about it. Yeah, they'll be salty about anything. But I feel like they'll also take a little bit of joy in it because what's something I wanted to say earlier. How many times do you see a coaching change that fans aren't in agreement with? Like in like in terms of like they like they don't they don't think that the coach should be fired. I don't think I, I, I didn't see many, my job, I'm not like deep into Vancouver Canucks Twitter, but I see enough of it that I didn't see many Canucks fans no. going, yeah, Bruce needs to go. I don't honestly think I've ever seen a coaching, like a mid-season coaching change that fans have been disappointed with. That fans were going, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I literally don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, uh, barring like, um, say like a coach has decided to step down or like, um, for for whatever reason, like anything yeah. that's like maybe outside of hockey, and they're like, oh, what? And then okay, yes, this this makes sense, I guess. And it, like, I'm disappointed mm-hmm. about it because I want the best for the that coach or like as a person. But in terms of just purely because of the team's on ice performance, most fans are ready to jump at the coach, like right away but Vancouver fans were not and I, I don't think I've ever seen that and I would be very shocked if it ever happened again so yeah I yeah. mean here's hoping that it doesn't happen again jeez yeah right it's it's a mess but yeah I, I don't know if there's any other specific names that I have I, and I think recency bias plays into Bruce Boudreaux um jump a into the forefront bit, but it is but, like I said like, he is a guy that we've talked about mm-hmm. within the last like year and a half kind of thing like before yeah, he got and hired it is a in fit. Vancouver it yeah, is a fit it's too a fit. So. it's a fit it's a total fit 
Yeah, and we're not even going to know really who's available until the off season as well. But um, so it, it's definitely a better question to answer in the summertime. But we at least um, have the starting point of Bruce Boudreau. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that uh, wraps up this episode of the Quack Report. Nate, if people want to uh, just send you Bruce, there it is, and that's it. Or alternatively, the gif of uh, him saying the F-bomb, but the caption is, damn it. That's one of my favorite gifs, actually. It's so good. It's so good. Um, Either one of those are acceptable. Where can people do that at? Uh, You can tweet them at me at Tate Namas, T-A-T-E-N-H-O-M-A-S. And what I would really love to see is uh, old clips of Ryan Strom beating people's faces in, specifically of Washington, but it could be anybody. So if you come across <laughs> those, uh, you can send them to me at Carter underscore Potts, P-O-T-T-S underscore 97 on Twitter. Uh, as well, you can find us at Quack Report Pod on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. Leave a comment or DM us if you have any questions you want us to answer on the air, and we'll try our best to do that. In the meantime, have a good week. Go Ducks, go. Go Ducks, go.